Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today on Personally Speaking, I'll be joined by the actor Will Yun Lee. Will currently stars on the hit ABC medical drama, The Good Doctor. Please stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and actor Will Young Lee joins me now. Will stars as Dr. Alex Park on the ABC hit medical drama The Good Doctor and the Netflix sci-fi series Altered Carbon. Will had a recurring role on the CBS series Hawaii Five-0, and his film credits include the James Bond film Die Another Day, Total Recall, and The Wolverine, opposite Hugh Jackman. Will was born to Korean immigrants, and his father is a Taekwondo master, one of the first Taekwondo masters to come to the United States. Will also became accomplished in martial arts and received a sports scholarship to the University of California at Berkeley. Will is married to the actress Jennifer Birmingham, and together they have a terrific son named Cash. Will is here with us today to talk about his life, his career, and as an Asian-American actor, his time as family member, why martial arts is important to him, and the values that have sustained him throughout his life. Joining me now, I'm very pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the actor Will Young Lee. We're here with Will Young Lee, and we're talking about a lot of things today, but uh, I first discovered Will, even though he's uh, acted in lots of things, I discovered him, as many people have, through The Good Doctor, which is a favorite program of mine. How did you get involved in the show? Why do you think, for people like me, we are addicted to it? What is there about that show that makes us not want to let it go? Uh, you know, I, I was... I'm good friends with Daniel Day Kim, who's one of the producers on The Good Doctor. And at the time, um, I was shooting another TV show, uh, funny enough, in, in Toronto, which is the coldest side of Canada. <laughs> and uh, he called me and At that moment, you know, very few members on our show at, in, in the Toronto show knew that we were canceled. And uh, so I just heard this news and I, I think literally the next day I get a call from Daniel and he's just kind of with a half chuckle said, you wouldn't happen to be available, would you? Um, and I said, as a matter of fact, yes, our show is not canceled. So I auditioned for the role and uh, ended up doing it. And uh, I think my first episode was with Regina King, who was directing it. And um, yeah, it was just kind of started from there. And, I, you know, honestly, the show is one of the last, um, to answer your second yeah. question, one of the last shows of hope, you know, on network television. It's kind of like there's so many dark shows, which I love, but also I think it's becoming overcrowded with the the dark and the very gritty shows and violent shows. And, yeah. and, and this is one of the last of the dying breeds, I think, of just great television in based and anchored in hope. Had you given some thought before you got involved with it uh, in terms of your own attitudes toward people with disabilities? Because really the other thing the show beautifully gets into is that we're all disabled in one way or another. But what was your own experience of disability? Did you know anybody who was going through that? Well, you know, it, not so much, you know, in terms of autism, but, yeah. you know, 
it was a very tough decision for me to join the show um, purely because of the fact that um, my son at the time had, had been very, very sick. And, you know, we had spent years in the hospital and he was going through brain surgery and chemo and all these different things. So I had been in the hospital system for, for years um, in the most uh, horrible places, which is a children's ICU unit. Yeah. And, you know, when you're there for months at a time and, and you, the cafeteria and the gift shop become like, <laughs> you know, different bedrooms in your life, um, it was very difficult to to go on to a show where the the set looks exactly like what you lived in. So I remember the first week shooting, I literally would break down every other scene. Wow. So, <clears throat> yeah. Even just, you know, talking about it now, it's, you know, it's so emotional. Um but, you know, I think what drew, what drove me to the show, and it's not so much when you talk about disability, it's, it's more about, um, for me, what drew me to it was we had been misdiagnosed with my son so many times and they'd given him chemo and they shouldn't have and they did all these different things. And the show, our, my wife and, and my fight became about what, what's the next answer? You know, I refuse that answer what's the next thing I can research and what's the, and it became this long journey of research that eventually got us to the correct diagnosis, which our show is kind of like these doctors looking outside the box of how do we fix the situation? Yeah. So that's kind of how it all threaded together. Even though sometimes you can be the tough guy on the show, the truth is you always have a heart of gold and you have a deep compassion and empathy as a doctor. Did you run into doctors who were, particularly kind to you and your wife through the, the challenges that cash faced. Oh yeah. You know, um, it was, you know, it's, you run the gambit, you know, and it's, it's about, you know, I always say like, even though I play a doctor on, on TV, it's, you know, you, you are your child's advocate. You're the yeah. only person who can fight for him. And so, you know, most of the, most of the doctors are, were incredible and, and kind, but they, a lot of the doctors just said, you know, I remember one doctor telling us, stop looking on the internet because this is what your son has, which is he's going to live in the gray area for the rest of his life. And we refused that answer. And when we found this team at Stanford, I mean, we talk about angels and superheroes. That's what they were to us. Wow. I got to yeah. ask you, you probably know this. Uh, I'm not telling you something you haven't heard before, but it, it, for every marriage, when a child is sick it can go either way. It can be something that bonds you two together or, or causes mm -hmm. you to go separately. How did you, you and your wife say a team so that you could best serve your son? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a lot of it was, you know, we both had a lot of faith in God and we're just, it, it was a lot of, a lot of different things, but be, because we grew up with, with even though we're culturally very different upbringings, you know, I think faith was a huge part of our upbringing. And we made a pact from day one when he had his first stroke that, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that, you know, our mission was to keep him alive. So that, you know, that solved 90% of 
the hardship a couple has to go through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the countless chemo drips and, you know, you just get 12, uh, you know, a three-year-old in a 12 hour drip, you know, once a week is just too much for a parent to take. So yeah, yeah, it was faith, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of faith and a lot of prayers from a lot of different people. That's great stuff, Will. You know, um, for some people, and I don't blame them, by the way, I'm, I'm not, not a dad. I'm just close to nieces and nephews. But whenever somebody we love gets into trouble like Cash did, even as a believer, sometimes I, I want to shake my fist in God's face and say, what the heck are you thinking? You, you can make this different. Uh, even as people of faith, did you have times when you question, what, what's God thinking in all this? Oh, every day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Every day, you know, it's like, it's, you know, one of these journeys, it's just like, um, and I'm sure a lot of parents and a lot of your listeners who've gone through this with different loved ones is the tunnel is so dark and there's not even a creak of light. And so you are walking this tunnel that just seems to go on year after year and get, you know, your feet swept out under you. Like the, the rays of good news last so short so you literally my, my wife and i just felt like we were walking down the darkest tunnel without any sense of direction and you know i, I tell you it's it's thank god for her and thank god for her fight in her and the fight in that little kid like eventually the light uh-huh. you know and 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 it, and it came in the form of these doctors and nurses and, and people coming together so it, it was it I tell you, faith, you know, it, it, it feels so cliche to say sometimes, but that was the only thing that got us through this. Well, when, when I uh, celebrate weddings, which most weekends I do, so that I can preach a better homily, I always ask the couples, there's a billion people out there you could have married. Why this one? How do you know this is the one for you? If you had been doing that about Jennifer, you've already mentioned, well, we knew we had the common faith, common belief, but what else was there in her personality or her makeup that made you say, I could do 40 or 50 years with this woman. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was a thing that she's the funniest person, you know, that, I, that I've ever met. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy because, you know, during that, especially during this period with, with my son being sick, which was, it was a solid three years of just, just horribleness, was she, she knew her job was to make him laugh, you know. <laughs> That was, you know, whether she was putting like diapers on her head or, you know, <laughs> this kid is literally looking, you know, taking 17 bottles of poison huh. and, you know, she would just, she would make it as fun as it could be. And that's, that's what got him through, you know. Isn't that great though? So the sense of humor, the gift of faith. Uh, she She's also, for the people watching the show, among the most gorgeous women in the world. You know that, right? No, she is beautiful. She is. <laughs> she just turned forty, and 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 I was like, "Man, you look." I said, "You look good for 40. She goes, "You mean 30. <laughs> <laughs> She's a wise woman. Wise woman. <laughs> I got to ask you too. Early in the program, when you and I were talking, you talked about this one show ending and falling into the the good doctor, which is great. But even though you are an actor who works a lot, uh, every actor goes through times when you're perfect for stuff and you don't get it. How in your path in this career have you dealt with disappointment, rejection, knowing you're perfect for it, but they don't know that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a it's a it's a big, complicated, like ball of yarn. And yeah. 
part of it is very simple in the sense that I competed in martial arts for most of my life. So I knew the world of, of fighting for something mm-hmm. and, and rejection. And so that, that kind of like softened the blow of, of dealing with the Hollywood audition process when you get there. It's, it's like, if you had, you know, if you were at a wrestling tournament, you know, you get a bracket and you get two wrestlers and they look at the brackets on who they're going to wrestle and who they're going to fight and that's kind of like Hollywood auditions. It's just, a, it's who lasts the longest, right? Who believes in themselves the most, who works hard at, at their craft and, and who's the person who holds on the longest eventually gets there. Um, so I had that from my father um, okay. from training. And that, and that was the big, that was a big foundational piece. Tell us the richness about Taekwondo that he passed on to you. Why is it so important to you and, and in time to cash as well? You know, um, and, and me and my wife were just talking about it this morning is when I did martial arts, it was, my dad didn't force me to do a lot of things, but it was the one thing he forced me to do. And I hated him for it when I was, you know, young. I'd ride my bike and every other kid gets to go play or go play basketball or join right. different team sports. And my dad made me ride my bike to the martial arts studio. And I stayed there from three to nine, did my homework, trained. And it was such a regimen in my life that, you know, I can never repay him for it. You know, wow. it's like, and, and it's the mark of like, when you, for me, he wasn't my friend, you know, he was mm-hmm. my and he's like, this is good for you. And, you know, it took me a long time to realize he was right. But, you know, had he not done that for me and just always given me the easy pass out, I, there's no way that I would have made it as an actor in terms of having to deal with the first, you know, 10 years of auditioning and, and rejection. So, you know, that was that, yeah. We are, well, so often uh, formed and shaped by our parents. You've talked publicly plenty of times about your dad and the legacy he gave you, which you treasure. Tell us about what mom did right. Yeah, you know, she was she was the rock in terms of, you know, she's she's very opinionated and tells me what I need to do. <laughs> tells me how I always need to get a medical checkup because I'm approaching 50. But um, she's the person that that we could always count on we say the big ticket items, meaning like I'm in trouble and she will, you know, she's probably 110 pounds and she, you know, she, I need help with this or I need help with that, like real monumental moments in, in my life. And she just quietly always made it happen. And it's, you know, I have countless examples, but it's like, you know, that mother love is real. It's mm-hmm. like the wolf pack mom. <laughs> um, she will fight and, 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 and beat up whoever she has to, to make sure, you know, things are, are right for me. So, yeah. Well, uh, just as your wife doesn't look her age, neither do you. So I mentioned that by way of a lot of my actor friends see in our youth culture and our looks culture, aging is the enemy. Uh, you don't seem to be very bothered by age. You have a perspective on, on the whole thing about aging gracefully. I mean, you know, do, do I do I wish I could be thirty again? Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's 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 so different when you uh, you know when you first come to LA, everyone just dreams of being on a movie set, and you're very hung. You know, 
to survive, you'd have to be very hungry and, 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 you know, borderline obsessive in, in working on your craft and finding an agent and finding a job and finding your way in that world. But as I've gotten older and I've had a family and a son and, you know, a million dogs, um, <laughs> you're, for me, my paradigm shifted, which was, you know, and, and it's, it's why I married my wife. It was about finding, making memories as opposed to making money. Okay. And so, you know, we, we aren't rich, but we're very rich in like, finding those moments and coming from a, you know, Asian culture, we live in a very disciplined, um, I, at least I did, had a very disciplined upbringing. There was no vacations. There was no spending money on, on going to the movies. Like right. it was a one mission deal. It was, you're going to go to Harvard. I didn't go to Harvard. Um, <laughs> and so what I learned from my wife and her family is they, take these, the time to make moments, you know? Mm. And so for me, my, my, my attitude towards Hollywood and yes, I'm still very hungry and I'm very, you know, love what I do, but you know, I, you know, I'm looking into the next couple of chapters of my life. It's, it's different, you know, it's just, it's about, all right, I'm going to go do this job that I love. And then we're going to go do something great. We're going to go to our in-laws and, and be in Louisiana and go <laughs> fishing every day. You know, those are the things that, that make me happy. You know, you uh, you mentioned uh, working in terms of the Asian milieu, and I'm wondering. I'm told you have a new production company, Seoul Productions, uh, and by Seoul we mean the capital of South Korea. Tell me about how you came to take the chance to say, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna create my own world, my own production company." Yeah. So my my managers, who also have a production company, um, their company is called Wonder Street, and we decided to come together and do Seoul Street. Okay. And it's very much, um, it's, it's putting together the right elements for different points of views, which start from the writers, which start from, you know, if, if the majority of, of the traditional aspect of or history of Hollywood is, you know, it's one, one subsection of people who write stories and then write stories, what they think about Asian Americans or African Americans or, you know, Mexican Americans but they might not have grown up in it. And for us, our mission has always, you know, been like, we're going to find those voices and let them create it from the beginning and bring it up. So, um, you know, part of it is, and it's not just Asian American stories, you know, like one of them is about my dad and yes, it involves, you know, a, a Korean immigrant, but it essentially is about the first African American uh, black martial arts team. So it's, you know, and at that time in the late 60s, it was mostly, you know, white fighters with Japanese and Korean masters. And then in comes a group in the late 1960s that my dad, you know, brought up at the YMCA. And, you know, it was the first time he saw, you know, saw African-American fight teams and they came in and, and, and dominated circuit for a good 10 years. So, you know, it's about finding those subsections and marrying and, and showing okay. that we are just as woven in through society of America. Because I, when I grew up, you know, I didn't get to see myself on screen. You know, I didn't get mm -hmm. to see people who look like me. Who right, talk right, like me. right. And, you know, the only person we had was Bruce Lee. And, you know, he died a long time ago. Yeah. So every time we'd see an occasional Asian American 
someone that was raised in America, spoke English, had so much, you know, just of the mixed influence of Asian culture and American culture. Like we didn't see that. And yeah. so, you know, that's part of my mission statement is finding some of those stories. I'm a big Broadway guy. And I remember years ago going to see uh, Miss Saigon, the first production yes. and uh, the protests outside because the lead was being played by an Englishman uh, playing an Asian. And uh, I didn't at that time fully understand why there'd be an objection. I do now because of consciousness raised by people like you. You know, even though uh, Will, for our listeners, is a uh, American-born guy, have you had any kind of direct experiences of prejudice? A friend of mine uh, who was from Korea and moved here about 10 years ago called me recently, and uh, Jong Wa Moon is his name. He couldn't believe that somebody cursed him out in New York City because they thought he was Chinese and they blamed the virus on him and all this insanity. Mm -hmm. But ha has that been any part of your experience, that kind of bigotry or prejudice? I mean, yeah, you know, it's, you know kids can be mean, and so you, you grow up with it. Um, and you eventually find your way. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's out there mm. and eventually you get to college, which is an interesting place to be because, you know, in high school, they say, right. You, you look for friends that you want to, you think you want to be associated with. Right. And when you get to college, you find people who are like you. And uh -huh. so, you know, you, for me, you know, I have experienced a lot of those situations. And, you know, to be honest, like in this current climate, I, I, I get nervous for my mm -hmm. parents to go out um, running simple errands. And uh, and even my, you know, if they see my son who's of mixed race, like, you know, and he looks he looks very Asian, like, you know, what that looks like. So, yeah, you know, it, it, and hopefully the more awareness that is, you know, there is that, that change can start happening. You, you talked before, Will, about coming together with your wife and both of you having this gift of faith. Go back in your upbringing. How was that gift of faith given to you? And do you guys have some ideas on how best to pass it on to your son? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how it was... Because, you know, when you have immigrant parents, they they speak to you in their native language. Um, right. And, you know, you grow up learning, you know, I was born in Virginia. You grow up learning English <laughs> yeah. and they want they, they, they're wanting you to learn English. And then eventually, you know, like my parents are very quiet people. Like there, there were no moments like, you know, leave it to Beaver, <laughs> Beaver where... <laughs> You know, my dad would teach me a lesson, you know, like right. <laughs> the only lessons I learned for them from them was just watching them, you know, and mm -hmm. their actions. And so that became my foundation. And, and, and I don't know where, you know, I've always just had this belief um, that, you know, faith mm -hmm. at the end of the day has to be ground zero. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting what you're saying. Let me yeah. ask you this, too. With the people that you work with on the set of The Good Doctor, is there a shared community there? Yeah. I mean, especially this year, you'll notice it is like the amount of care and attention everyone has, has, has brought to COVID and making mm -hmm. sure the set is safe, that, you know, none of our cast members, you know, they're very, we're all very conscious of, what our role is like if you know 
if I was 18, I don't know if I'd have the same consciousness of like, Hey, I shouldn't go there or I shouldn't go and, you know, to a club or to a dinner, you know, a big gathering, like everyone's very aware. We have a mission to complete this show. Yeah. And so the sense of community and sense of care, uh, is second to none. It's, you know, we we're, we're one of the rare shows that have had, you know, only maybe three or four days of a shutdown based on just being extra careful. Um, so yeah, it goes to show the, the team. There's someone, there's something for everybody on that show too. I have rheumatoid arthritis. So when the beautiful blonde doctor got that on her hand, yeah. I was like, Oh my God, it's about me. You know, but why, <laughs> did, why did we knock off uh, the good Mexican American doctor? I, you know, I, the, those are all questions <laughs> about my paper. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you ever know ahead of time where the script is given to you as you go? I, you know, I, I've been on so many different shows. I remember being the show on FX a long time ago where I was, you know, everyone waited to read the script the next week because I was the guy who would take out series right. regulars. Um, and it wasn't a fun, fun thing to do because they, they like me as friends, but then they're like, they know that I'm the guy who comes and, and takes care of situations in this kind of crime show. Um, but yeah, I mean, on this show, you know, you, I don't, I, it's just a weird game. <laughs> I, you know, you, you never really know. And so That's I right. always look at it like when you do a show, you enjoy it for the year. And if you get invited back, you get invited back. Okay. There's a, a fellow, Dr. Bill Baker, who was president of PBS, and he's an old friend of ours. But he wrote a book basically saying that you as artists in the acting community, to survive now, have to also be entrepreneurs. Are you a good entrepreneur? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not, yeah, no, probably <laughs> not. I mean, but I'm trying, you know, I'm trying with, yeah. with, with soul street and we have some, some really great projects lined up that we're developing. Um, okay. maybe that's the beginning of my entrepreneurial <laughs> space. Uh, I promise the last question, um, your son and your wife filled with hope, uh, you trust that he's going to have a bright and beautiful future and you're going to make it happen with the grace of God. You believe in that, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. You're an amazing dad, amazing husband. Uh, thank you so much, Will, for being on our program. Uh, all the success in the world in terms of your career. But uh, I wanted you on because of all the things you've said, and not just here, but other places about your mm -hmm. sense of hope, your sense of faith, your unconditional love for your, your son and for your, your wife. You're kind of an amazing man in so many ways. And thank you for sharing you. your journey with us. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. To listen to our Personally Speaking Podcast with some of our most recent shows, all you need to do is go to YouTube and punch in Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Please don't forget to hit like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on Personally speaking podcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen to past episodes by going to www.closeencountertv.com. And I'd ask you as well to go to my parish website, which is www.ollmp.org. We have past shows as well as Monsignor Jim's weekly mass and homilies. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Please share yourself with others, especially in your family. Personally Speaking is made possible.
because of the generosity and kindness of many people. I wanted to thank the law office of Anthony Capitola. I want to thank uh, Peg and Pete and Angelo, and for all of you who have given support, including my friend Randy and Tom Slade, in keeping us on the air. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer. A personally speaking, our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. I want to thank you all for being with us, and we hope you'll be with us again next time on Personally Speaking.